0: Dark Secret Place. This radioactivity is coming from Brian Suits on KFI. I would bomb the shit out of him. Dark Secret Place with Brian Suits on KFI. KFI AM 640 more stimulating talk. It is the Dark Secret Place. Los Angeles number one Saturday night show. Everybody up against, up against music, but beating the music with better music. And uh, more Koreans uh, will get to North Korea possibly preparing a seventh nuclear test. I thought they were talking peace. Uh, also next hour, what are the economics behind the latest Palestinian uprising? Um, and uh, would it happen if there were no cameras there to hear the Palestinians fall in the forest? Would, would they make a sound? Uh, that also how to track. The Chinese space station that is in a degrading orbit and is ex- expected to enter the Earth's atmosphere. Sometime in the next 21 hours, uh, we'll get to that. And then, uh, from delayed from last week, Paul Zoldra, who is the founder of Duffel Blog. Very, very funny, satiric website. It's like The Onion, but for the military. And if you've never served in the military, there's you'll still find it really, really funny. But if you have ever served in any of the uniformed services, you will laugh your actual ass off. It's very, very, very funny. Um, obviously we're in a little bit of a pickle tomorrow because tomorrow is April fool's day, but, but Easter falls on April fool's day. And I, I worked it out. The only, the obvious April fool's tomorrow. And and this is the worst practical joke you can possibly do to a kid, but is to have the kids count to a hundred inside the house. And then have them come outside to an egg hunt in your backyard or whatever, but not actually lay any eggs out there. Now, I mean that's a horrible joke, but Easter happens to fall on April Fool's Day this year. April Fool's is always April first, and every seven years it's on a Sunday. Um, East, Easter, though, is not a fixed date, isn't it? I, and, and I, 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 I don't know. Do you know, Michael Chape? Is it? Always, it's always first Sunday in April, right? I believe so. Yeah. So every seven years, it's on April Fool's Day. So you can look at it this way. In My case, my daughter's eight. Next time uh, when this rolls around, she's not going to be doing an egg hunt. You know, she's she, she's going to be fifteen. So tomorrow's my shot or never. And I mean, like we have eleven acres. So I just, I gotta say, um, I'm you know I you all guide. Let your own conscience be your guide. I'm just saying, if you don't do this, you're missing a tremendous opportunity. Uh, the other... There's got to be a payoff at the end, right? Well, then you actually do yeah. put out eggs. Because yeah, you, you wouldn't really do that to your kids. When your daughter's 15, she'll be hunting for the car keys. I but remember. I know. But but you, I got to say, you know, sitting there going, colder, colder, <laughs> you know, and all that. and But then they're not actually being any eggs would be kind of funny. But, but I give it a five-minute... Uh, give it a five minute span. You, you can't do that to kids for like an hour. You can do that to adults. Um, my April Fools was going to be because today's March thirty first it's already April Fools in Britain. And there's a there's a guy's really funny website. A, a guy's claiming that the Russians had a press conference announcing that during the Cold War they shot down a Lockheed SR seventy one Blackbird and that they were displaying the wreckage. And already all these people are 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 uh, are, are falling for it. My, my April Fool's was going to be, if you've been all around California, from Palm Springs to Altamont Pass and then to Tehachapi, Antelope Valley, you see the wind generating turbines, right? They're all over the place. My April Fool's was going to be that I was going to see if I could get people on the interwebs to actually believe that that is a United Nations conspiracy using Soviet-era technology to actually put uh, fans on, on certain parts of the Earth so that the fans would spin and slow down the Earth's rotation. And the result would be that since the fans have been up since, say, 1999, that every hour on Earth has actually been 62 minutes. And that the United Nations has slowed down the rotation of the earth with Soviet technology through these secret fan farms. And that Americans, hardworking Americans, have been robbed of two minutes of salary per hour since you've been working since 1999. And that you can get on board, you can sign this petition and get on board the claim that we were going to present to the United Nations. Going back uh, some, what, 21 years that the UN has been using these fans at Tehachapi, Altamont Pass, here in California, and other strategic locations around the Earth, where it would actually have an effect on the Earth's rotation, kind of like putting English on a cue ball, by 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 slowing down the Earth's rotation with the giant fans. But I may or may not execute that spoof tomorrow. I'm just saying for those of you listening, if that if you hear that tomorrow, just be in on the joke. I I I'd imagine you're all going to be smart enough uh, anyway. Well, for Donald Trump, April Fool's came really, really early for the Americans fighting in Syria, um, estimated physically to be uh, 5,000 at least, spread out over 20 different FOBs, uh, forward operating bases, everything from artillery bases to helicopter bases. Some of the bases are getting very mature, as we say, and they resemble very much the occupation in Iraq. Big difference, though, in in a a couple of cases, American troops are allowed to leave the FOB. And go hang out locally because there's no hostile forces. Because ISIS is that degraded. Well, President Trump had uh, an April Fool's for Pentagon, for the Pentagon as well as for Syria. Um, if you don't know this, there's uh, more than 200 million in recovery funds have been earmarked for Syria. But um, that, that's not what uh, the president said in Ohio just on Thursday. Here's CNN with that audio. Hey. Syria go. came up uh, somewhat to a surprise, it seemed to the president's own advisors. president uh, not mentioning Russia yesterday in that speech, but he did say this on Syria. have a listen We're knocking the hell out of isIS we'll be coming out of Syria like very soon what Let the other people take care of it now very soon very now uh on on the surface of that i I agree with that sentiment. The problem is when we got in, we got in a little a little deeper than just. Pack up and leave. ISIS will be coming out of Syria like very soon. Wait, I need to rewind more. Here we go. We're knocking the hell out of ISIS. We'll be coming out of Syria like very soon. Let the other people take care of it now. Very soon. Very soon we're coming out. We're going to have 100% of the caliphate, as they call it, sometimes referred to as land. We're taking it all back quickly, quickly. Uh, But we're going to be coming out of there real soon. So this was the deal. Uh, the Pentagon was absolutely taken aback by that. They were surprised by it. They said, refer your questions to the White House. We haven't received any guidance in in this regard. In in fact, the Pentagon is going to expand the American mission in Syria because we've learned the lesson. Um, we left Iraq precipitously because uh, President Obama didn't want to negotiate with the Iraqis, even though the Iraqis, their, their initial gambit was saying, um, all right, you have to pay us rent. And then, oh, by the way, uh, your troops have to be subject to the Iraqi Central C- Criminal Court. And instead of Obama saying, well, no, on both of those, but we can talk about maybe a lease or whatever, he just took the ball and he left. So that's why American troops left Iraq. Well, what happened? We we left behind a chaosocracy. Iraq was in no way, shape, or form stable enough for American occupying forces, even though we had stopped, quote, occupying them, close quote. Um but we left and the stable the stabilizing force that was the United States with the Iraqi government that is the visible support to the democratically elected Iraqi government was now gone and it descended into chaos and Isis saw an opportunity the former Iraqi intelligence guys who formed Isis saw an opportunity they took it and Isis happened Isis is effectively combat is effectively combat ineffective uh, on the ground in Syria but in, um, in, in assisting and identifying Syrian forces that we can back, like the Syrian Kurds and then the so-called Syrian Defense Forces, the United States has made it really, really clear to Damascus and to Moscow, look, we're here for ISIS, we're not here for Assad, regardless of what Obama said about Assad must go. And, and remember, he said that uh, uh, to the uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band beat. Assad needs to go. Assad, Assad must go. Player, Assad needs to go. Assad, Assad must go.
1: Player, Assad needs to go. Assad,
0: Assad must go. Player. So, Trump and the current Pentagon said that is an old song. We never liked it. We never danced to it. We can't stay mad at you. And so, but but east of the Euphrates is going to be something other than Syria. It's going to be independent Syria. It's going to be East Syria, whatever, but ISIS is not going to exist here. There's going to be a buffer between Iraq and you guys, and, and we're going to set it up. And so the Pentagon understood that the mission was going to be that, uh, uh morphing this, the Syrian Kurds, the YPG and merging them with the, with Syrian Arabs called the Syrian defense forces, anti Assad guys that we would leave behind a competent military force. Um, Today, President Trump placed a hold on more than $200 million in recovery funds for Syria, depend- demanding more information on how the money is being used. Senior State Department officials have confirmed to CNN. If you ran this by the average American, and this is ultimately kind of where this works. Sorry, that was a long cough. The average American would say, what the hell are we doing there? Um. We can do ISIS 2.0 if we want, but uh, th- there's going to be a, a a longer debate than just putting a hold on this. We'll uh, come back. We'll talk about it here in just a second. Uh, and then, like I said, coming up next hour, our, our delayed interview, Paul Zolder, founder of Duffel Blog, will join us. It's the Dark Secret Place on Twitter, at Dark Secret Place. Back in a minute, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Come on going to be a cowboy. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is the dark secret place Brian sits in here until midnight. And um, the $200 million that was set for Syria reconstruction, uh, according to insiders, and there seems to be far more leaks out uh, of this White House than prior White Houses, uh, Trump grew angry after reading a story in the Washington Post about the money. The officials confirmed. And evidently this was, um, th- this actually preceded his statement that we're going to be getting out of Syria uh, very fast. Um, this uh, this statement. Syria came up right, right here. here. The hell out of ISIS. We'll be coming out of Syria like very soon. Let the other people take care of it now. Very soon. So that uh, evidently is, is uh, after he saw part of the funding plan for uh, rebuilding and development in Syria, and it's absolutely understandable because he's new to foreign policy. If you if you sit down in front of the average first time voter who never voted until Trump ran, um, there there is uh, sort of a general: what the hell are we doing in the Middle East? And I and believe me, of all people uh, in the American media, I understand that sentiment better than most. The 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 notion that. Um, you throw your arms up and say, you know what? Thank you, fracking. We don't need to be there anymore. The complexity between Saudi Arabia and Iran, let them work it out uh, unless it, it it results in fallout uh, affecting our harvests or something. Uh, you know, in the big picture, do we really care if Saudi Arabia and Iran goes to war as long as it's conventional? So, I mean, what are we doing? And there will always be an Israel because Israel is already a nuclear power. And everyone surrounding Israel knows this, you know, and the whole thing. So the, I understand the temptation of saying, you know, now what? We You're, we, you're saying we've got 5,000 people in, on the ground in Syria on 20 different bases. Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, and, and Trump clearly sees this. The The concept of operations in Syria is that we ca- we can't replicate the mistake that led to the the rise of ISIS. And no one predicted the rise of ISIS. However, we know the conditions that led to it. And why would we replicate those conditions? With the Syrian civil war still raging, and now Turkey involved, physically on the ground invading Syria, and Al-Qaeda still existent uh, in Syria, ISIS still exists, they're just a shadow of what they used to be, why at this point would we leave behind a, a vacuum, a chaosocracy that would simply be filled by ISIS 2.0? So the, this this is the part... That somebody has to explain to the American people. Now, part of the difficulty here is that we are losing people in Syria. And for a lot of people who stopped paying attention, um, to to suddenly wake up today and say that we see the name of the Delta Force guy, Jonathan Dunbar, who was killed in Syria last week, then uh, people say, well, wait a minute, in Syria? Did I hear that right? Master Sergeant Jonathan J. Dunbar, an American soldier killed by a roadside bomb attack in Syria, uh, was identified by the department of defense today uh he's a part of operation inherent resolve one one delta force guy was killed in a combat operation last year um this particular delta force guy was uh interoperating with the british sas because the british lost an sas soldier sergeant matt tunrow uh and the the british sort of un- unusually identified who he was serving with um uh gave his name and and uh, confirmed that he was a uh, the british special forces guy british sas so the U.S. and the British SAS are, are virtually indistinguishable in Syria. Um, and they are doing the bulk of the heavy lifting in the fight against ISIS. Someday, a book will be written about how, a, in fact, a textbook will be written about how effectively we intervene to fight ISIS. Because we employed... Long cough. We employed tactics and techniques that we were not allowed to apply in Iraq. We could have done to the Iraqi insurgency what we're doing to ISIS, but we could not. Syria is a reboot of Iraq only being done correctly, but with no cameras around um, and being able to use the tactics and the forces that are most effective against a centralized insurgency. ISIS was never a decentralized people's movement. It was a highly centralized, highly organized and well-funded terrorist organization that relied on a, a pretty tight cabal of personalities to run everything, and so the American Delta Force, British SAS, have done a really masterful job. Doubly masterful because uh, because of the fact that we're we're only talking about two American Delta Force guys dead in a period of three years, and and uh, one British SAS member, and they have effectively on the ground been the force. Uh, both in leading allies like the Syrian Kurds that has taken down ISIS. Um, next hour, by the way, if, if you haven't heard of, heard about this, some of the the British guys that they called the Beatles, the Brits, who were beheading people and mocking Obama and all that, they're in jail now. They're in this secret prison in Syria, and they were allowed to talk to the AP. And you'll you'll they regret the beheadings, but you'll never guess who they blame. They're sorry about the beheadings. In fact, one of them is quoted as saying they were regrettable. Uh, what, what we're going to do with these guys is no one's guess, but it, it, it will be written someday that it was one of the most astounding takedowns of an insurgency that has happened in the last hundred years. Who decides those guys' fate? We don't know. That's crazy. They're not signees of the uh, 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 International um, uh, Convention on the Law of War. Um, uh, it's it's Bashar Assad's sovereign country. We literally have no legal right to detain anybody in someone else's country except by right of conquest. There are Syrian citizens called the YPG and the Syrian Defense Forces. And more than likely, we will set up a parallel government in Eastern Syria. And these guys who are currently guarding all these Europeans and ISIS are going to have to decide what to do with them. Frankly, like in the case of Italy, they're suggesting a single bullet to the head and then send them an invoice. Um, but in the case of the of the Brits, well, it's on the record now. They're alive. They're alive and they're effectively in American hands. So someone has to produce them alive. And they sound a little cocky. Very cocky. Yeah, very, very, uh, very cocky. They don't sound uh, regretful at all. Or which, afraid. Which is not, not exactly what you want. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, when we come back, uh, are the North Koreans... Going to kibosh negotiations with a seventh nuclear test. What's in it for them? That am more coming up to see. Dark secret Replace. Brian Suits in here. Until midnight, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. It is a Dark secret Replace. Brian Suits in here until midnight. Uh, next hour, we'll talk about uh, a, a Chinese naval parade, effectively. Sort of an, an answer to the, you know, and frankly, the fairly low-key visit of the USS Carl Vinson uh, carrier group to Vietnam, to Cam Ranh Bay. Uh, the first American aircraft carrier to visit Vietnam since the Vietnam War. So we'll uh, talk about that. I've also, I've been asked by, by people in the past to comment on the the individual known as Q Anon. Q level security, high security clearance, anonymous. Q anon. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe that this is a, this, this individual is someone who's extremely close to the Trump inner circle, and uh, and and re- reveals things Trump is going to say before he says them. I don't think that. Um, the, the reason I mention it is because Roseanne Barr has come under criticism here in Hollywood for being a Trump supporter, and she's a frequent uh, retweeter. Of, of information of this individual called QAnon, who has become uh, a, sort of an industry unto himself or herself on YouTube and Twitter. If you go to hashtag QAnon, you'll see it just goes on forever. Then you see on YouTube, there's people who do nothing but interpret QAnon. I, I for a couple reasons, I don't think that this person really is genuine. And if you say... Well, yeah, but he posted pictures outside, shot from inside Air Force One, at islands in the Pacific as Trump was flying over them. You know, I can do that. I I can I can find publicly accessible photos of those same islands and claim that But but anyway, so I'm I'm not going to comment on it tonight. Maybe tomorrow for Super Hyper Local Sunday. But uh, anyway, it's it's a thing, and I'm aware of it. I just don't feel that it bears mentioning because it's a little too conspiracy-ish uh, for me. Well, so upcoming negotiations, or at least simply meetings between the United States and North Korea, specifically President Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, including the uh, the South Korean uh, president, have, have yet to be announced exactly where they would be. It is highly likely that they're going to be at the uh, treaty village in the DMZ at Panmunjom, uh, because there is just no way Kim Jong Un is leaving North Korea and allowing the international press to see him in unflattering angles. Because he does unflattering things. He waddles. He doesn't walk. Um, he is. Uh, uh, he's. He's. He's not light on his feet, nor is he athletic. And he's embarrassed by the way he looks because the guy is obviously drunk deeply from the cup of life, and he's he's sidled up to the uh, trough of life. And said, more please. And he's, he's very, very self-conscious about his image. Like his grandfather was, uh, Kim Il-sung uh, was very, very proprietary about images of, of him. Because he had a gigantic goiter on, the, on the, the anterior of his right side of his neck. And when he went to Romania, it was published in Pravda uh, to embarrass him. It was published in the People's Daily in China. Um, and and he went nuts about that. And he realized he can't control his own image, even when he visits supposed friends like Nicolae Ceausescu in Romania, and with friends like that, right? So so anyway, it most likely is going to be there at at Truce Village at the DMZ. Here's the the bombshell that Japan dropped today. Japanese Foreign Minister Taro Kono suggested that Japanese intelligence have discovered signs that North Korea is preparing to hold another nuclear test because there's stepped-up activity at the Pyongyang nuclear test range way up in the northeast of the country. Now, this was being said back in November prior to the Olympics, as you recall. Uh, And and this is almost what led to the South Koreans putting the gas on the negotiations that led to what's currently a breakthrough. The North appears to be, quote, working hard to get ready for the next nuclear test, uh, the foreign minister said at a lecture in Kochi, referring to the removal of soil in a tunnel at a site where past tests were conducted. As for the possibility of summit talks taking place between uh, uh, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe and North Korea's Kim Jong-un, he expressed caution about reacting hastily to the North Korean charm offensive. Though South Korea is reacting, so is the U.S., this seems highly unlikely that they would do this. The argument for doing it would be that the, the North Koreans would feel like they can't legitimately sit down across the table from Donald Trump unless they really truly have a nuclear weapon. And that currently Donald Trump knows that North Korea have missiles that display a time of flight that, if aimed in a different direction than straight up, could reach North America. But do they have a reentry vehicle and a bomb to put on that reentry vehicle? They haven't displayed that yet, but until they do, we're going to be very dubious about their claim of being a nuclear power because anybody, I mean, almost literally anybody can nuke their own mountains. Uh, We were, we were stunned and shocked at the progress that Muammar Gaddafi made. Um, uh, People don't give Bush credit for this, but after Bush toppled Saddam, Muammar Gaddafi crapped his pants. And he contacted the UN, the International Atomic Energy Agency, and he said, Can you please come to Libya and certify me as unnuclear? I want to denuclearize because I want to stay in power. IAEA got there and were frankly gobsmacked that the Libyans were as far along as they were. And Qaddafi said, Denuclearize me. So the, the big event last week was Kim Jong un traveling to Beijing, apparently summoned to Beijing, um, and this coming after apparently weeks of, of talks with the Chinese. He's, he's been on the outs with the Chinese since he came into power. He's killed everybody with, with close connections to Beijing, his older brother, uh, his uncle, his uncle's son. And he's made it clear that he's going to have his own foreign policy. Well, it appears that the Chinese, in a, a very brief meeting for China, a three-hour meeting with Kim Jong-un, laid out the law for him. And one of two things happened. He either walked out of the meeting, uh, which would be a great insult to the Chinese, or he sat there and he nodded. Uh, if he nodded, it was because the Chinese were saying, listen, you're going down a path and you can't win. There, If the mo- momentum that you have is continued, there will be a war on the peninsula. The Americans won't allow you to have nuclear weapons. They won't tolerate it. And if there's a war with the Americans, you will lose that war. You will lose your regime. And if you lose your regime... There's a danger that Korea will be unified. We're not going to have a unified Korea. We don't care who's in charge of North Korea. All we know is there's not going to be a unified Korea. There will always be two separate Koreas. We're not going to deal with a nation of 60 million hardworking, uh, innovative people on our southern border, and who, by the way, would be a nuclear power. They're, you're not going to invade the South. And the South is not going to invade you. There's just not going to be a war in the peninsula on our border. If you need a promise, if you need a guarantee that your regime is going to remain, we have your back. We will simply tell the Americans not to threaten your regime, and we will guarantee that you will always exist. But you need to allow us to come and take your nuclear weapons and bring them to China. We'll keep them for you in a safe deposit box, or we'll disassemble them. But we will always have your back. In return, you sign a peace treaty with South Korea. If you want the Americans out of South Korea, here's how you do this. You denuclearize like you said you would a month ago. You sign a peace treaty. You want to see the Americans leave? That's the fastest way to make them leave. But you sit there doing war drills and, and nuclear tests. The Americans will overthrow you. Only they stretched it out to three hours. So the likelihood that the North Koreans would absolutely poleaxe any talks, because that this is what they think is going to happen in these talks, that, that if they if they agree to denuclearize, after all they've done, the North Koreans call it their sword of justice, their nuclear weapons, they need something uh, in return. They need a guarantee that we will not overthrow the regime, and they need a way to get the United States off the Korean Peninsula, and the Chinese have pointed out to the North Koreans, of all American presidents... Who want to cut ties and foreign entanglements? I mean, for God's sake, this guy's talking about NATO paying rent. This guy's talking about maybe not defending countries in NATO that don't pay their fair share. If if you want the Americans off the Korean Peninsula, you got to give them something right now. And so that's that's why I'm one of those people who think that Trump is about to be played pretty heavily. But uh, that that is most likely what happened. Are the North Koreans going to jeopardize that with a nuclear test? I think the Japanese are incorrect about this because the, the the North Koreans are always working on that nuclear site. The fact that they're moving dirt around doesn't mean anything. Uh, they they have an immediate goal, and you remember the timeline is May. Trump is supposed to get this done by May, so uh, April Fools, everybody. All right, um, when we come back, the Palestinians are going crazy. Does anyone care? Well, 2018, not really. Uh, that and more coming up. It's the Dark Secret Place next hour. Paul Zoldra, the founder of Duffel Blog, will join us by phone. Uh, that and more until midnight. Dark Secret Place, KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. It is Dark Secret Place. Uh, next hour, we will talk with Paul Zoldra. He's the founder of the Duffel Blog, which is a satirical website that uh, that is sort of to the military, what the onion is to, to regular news. It's a very, very funny uh, website. Well, it's, uh, it's coming down. Uh, the Chinese space station is hurtling towards somewhere on earth. Uh, you can track it at aerospace.org. Um, I, I can't give you the direct link to the tracking page because it won't load, but if you go to aerospace.org, it's the first thing that comes up, click on read more and you can uh, you can track instantly where the uh the altitude of the chinese space station the uh, uh, chen gong one uh its speed its current location uh et cetera. let me in fact let me do that right now um it is about the size of an american school bus and uh it is expected that only about a third of its total mass is going to survive uh reentry the um what is it trianazine it, it has some extremely caustic uh thrust fuel rocket fuel but that's expected to completely burn up in uh in in reentry so where is it right now uh the Gong 1 right now is over central asia it is at um, it is at 161 kilometers so that's about what, 110 miles uh, and its speed is very very fast uh, and time to re-entry 21 hours that's uh that is a, a pure projection uh it, it's expected that as its orbit degrades when it hits about 110 kilometers that's when the atmosphere is thick enough that it'll grab it, slow it down, start burning it up uh, and the whole thing. But the only, the the only American cities, large cities that, that they're saying are threatened are uh, north of Los Angeles, possibly New York, a bunch of cities in Europe and and Africa. But as it just so happens, it's, it's a final orbit. It's last projected final orbit does not put it anywhere over any populated American places. So anyway, um, it's going to come down within about. It could be less than 21 hours, and uh, and let me see. The the state of Michigan has placed their emergency services on uh, on alert. Michigan activates emergency operations just in case. Uh, although unlikely, pieces of the eight and a half ton space station have the potential to land in the southern lower peninsula of Michigan, according to Aerospace Corporation. Debris may contain a highly toxic and corrosive substance called hydrazine, like I I said. So um, anyone who suspects they have encountered debris from the space station is asked by the Michigan Emergency Operations Center to call 911 and stay at least 150 feet away from it. Um, The probability that a specific person will be struck by the Tiangong one debris is about 1 million times smaller than the odds of winning the Powerball jackpot. So except I should point out someone did win the Powerball jackpot so uh, so anyway, it's uh it, it's coming down. it'll be uh, sometime between now and um, and around 6 p.m tomorrow, so we'll, uh we'll, we'll see what the final answer is uh, on that. So again, thank you, thank you, China. But then again, we're the ones who well we're, we're not the first ones to have something re-enter, but we had the biggest thing when Skylab, when the decision was made, not to push Skylab up to a higher orbit, the the calculated decision was made to let it re-enter the Earth's atmosphere and burn up, which it did. The only piece of Skylab was found in Australia, in the Australian far western desert, the the outback. Um, and so it, it it really is an odds game. Uh, so uh, uh, anyway, it's it's unfortunate because. We're not going to get a, a really spectacular re-entry show uh, over over North America, but uh, so anyway, Chiangong Gong One coming down sometime tomorrow. All right, it is the Dark Secret Place. Brian suits in here. Hour number two is coming up here in just a second. We'll uh, we'll talk about the uh, when we come back the Palestinian uh, March for Return. This looks to be a third Intifada. They've decided to launch. A period of civil riot. These can't be called protests uh, when you're throwing rocks at police and soldiers. The Israelis are shooting back. They're calculating that the standard sympathy for the Palestinians will not be uh, will not be unleashed by the American uh, Western media for one simple reason, and that is that ever since the Arab Spring, the Israeli, pardon me, the Palestinians have have never been so irrelevant in in terms of so called uh, Arab solutions, but ever since they've lost Saudi Arabia as their number one patron, um, and now that the world sort of understands that the Egyptians and everybody hate the Palestinians more than they they hate the Israelis, uh, it, it's, it's getting harder and harder for the Palestinians to top last year's act. So that's what they're doing right now, and I'll uh, explain that to you and why Hamas is really nothing more than a shakedown organization. In uh, hour number two, Brian suits back, Dark Secret Place, in here till midnight, KFI, AM 640, more stimulating talk. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is the Dark Secret Place Hour, number two. Brian sits in here live until midnight. Well, um, it's Palestinian season again. The Palestinians have announced that over the Jewish uh, Passover holiday, they were going to begin their so-called March of Return. And the March of Return... Um, from the Gaza Strip, which is ruled by the terrorist group Hamas, um, comes in response to a couple different crises that Hamas are feeling right now. Number one, they don't have any money. Uh, if you're unaware of the funding model of Hamas, the ever since they took over uh, Gaza, um, as opposed to the Palestinian Authority who uh, administers the, uh, the West Bank, uh, Gaza is run by a terrorist organization that relies on foreign contributions. Uh, Hamas relies on different NGOs, non-governmental organizations in France, Germany, Belgium, masking their anti-Semitism by funding Hamas and and their claim to be uh, supporting hospitals and schools. The reality is that the money comes in to Swiss bank accounts where Palestinian bankers carve off uh, their piece and then the Hamas leadership take off their piece and they build villas along the Mediterranean. Um, and you can look on Google Earth 10 years ago. There were no villas there. They were, they were fishing villages. But now the Hamas leadership build themselves villas. And then what's left over effectively funds these undersupplied hospitals and schools so that they can constantly have this tag team of European um, anti-Israel, pro-terrorist politicians fly in, like George Galloway from Great Britain, fly in and take these tours of these perennially underfunded hospitals. And the uh, the terrorist uh, administrators of Hamas will sit there and make these claims that the uh, Israelis are blocking medical supplies and school supplies, the whole thing. So it's a a constant misery machine. That's their funding model. The only thing Hamas makes is victimhood. That's it. That's how they make their money. They don't export anything. They produce nothing except victimhood. That is it. And the Europeans play ball on them. Uh, They always fail to mention, and Europeans fail to mention, that the only people who dislike the Palestinians more than the Israelis are other Arabs uh, and the Egyptians leading the way. The crossing points from the Egyptian Sinai into Gaza are even more heavily guarded than the Israeli ones. The Egyptians really dislike the Palestinians. They dislike the Palestinian black market. They dislike the Palestinians giving aid and relief to ISIS in Sinai, Al-Qaeda in Sinai. Um, The Palestinians know damn well what they're doing. Uh, They they don't have the—Hamas won't fight the Egyptians themselves, but they will supply weapons from Iran that are filtered in from Iran uh, and they'll supply Al Qaeda and ISIS with these guys. It's a very strange bedfellow situation. So they're, uh, they're in a desperate way right now. And so they began what, what looks like it's going to be the the third intifada with Israel over the past 20 years. There, there have been two other intifadas. Um, and effectively what these are, are gigantic orchestrated, publicity death drives what, what the what the Palestinians have realized is that the Israelis will defend themselves the Israelis will shoot back and when they do you just have to make sure that the Palestinians who are shot are under 18 um unarmed throwing rocks whatever and that there's no context there's no precursor that the video only shows their dead body being paraded around or the funeral or whatever so they've they were masterful in the first intifada setting that up the second one Uh, The Israelis realized what was going on, um, and when the Israelis would fire back at Hamas rockets or mortars, inevitably they would cause collateral damage because Hamas places their firing positions next to schools and hospitals. That's the entire point of firing the rocket: is to get the Israelis to shoot back or either drop a bomb with an F-16 or fire back with a Hellfire missile from an Apache. The Israelis have tried to get more precise, but you just can't. uh, uh, split the hair that closely. Um, you know, when you're talking about a school 10 feet away or, or better yet, a firing position in a school courtyard, okay, you're going to damage the school. So that is what gave rise to the iron dome. And the iron dome is the perfect solution. And the Palestinians absolutely hate it, just hate it because it is a pure defensive weapon. It doesn't hit a firing position. It waits for the Palestinians to fire the rockets and then it downs the rockets when they're uh, when they're on their downward arc a- after their uh, their their apogee, so they're arcing downwards towards Israel. There's absolutely no question where they're going to hit. An Iron Dome will shoot down or blow up in mid-flight the mortar or the rocket or whatever. So the only thing the Palestinians have left um, is to rush the Israeli border with unarmed kids. Well, yesterday, the uh, the beginning of this. Um, the, of course, international media were, were all around the rioters. The rioters came up to a, a buffer zone, a, a barbed wire buffer zone between Gaza and Israel proper, where there's an actual, you know, a concrete wall. So they're at the wire, which is on the Israeli side, and they began attacking the wire. And the Israelis fired warning shots. And as rocks started coming in on them, the Israelis started fi- firing lethal shots, which is the entire goal of of Hamas and the Palestinians. Well, as it turns out, uh, at least six of the people that were killed were actual Hamas terrorists, uh, two of whom were using the the riots as a distraction to uh, to fire at uh, Israeli troops. And they were they were killed by a fragmentation uh, tank round that was fired at them. So this is going the, the cycle has already started. Uh, the demonstrations happened yesterday in broad daylight. Um, Uh, Young people, uh, uh, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds were killed by the Israelis. Today are their funerals. The funerals lead to more demonstrations. And the demonstrations are not um, demonstrations with placards and signs and chants. The demonstrations are violent riots. Uh, And so I already saw this on uh, CNN today. Um, They called it massacre in Gaza. Uh, Israelis attacked protesters. And there needs to be a new definition of protester that you can walk around with a sign and you can chant, hey, hey, ho, ho. But the minute you start uh, throwing rocks with a slingshot uh, and causing damage, uh, causing injury on on the Israelis or on American police, you're now attackers. You're no longer protesters. You're now rioters. But this is asymmetric warfare in in the 21st century. Hamas knows that this news will lead the BBC because the the BBC has a demonstrable anti-Israel bias. Uh, anytime the Israelis show up with firearms and uniforms and ballistic helmets and shields, the Palestinians show up in T-shirts and track suits, it is just absolute, undeniable BBC bait. BBC loves those confrontations, and they know that the pictures depict a modern military power Um, using unproportional lethal force on people that are just throwing rocks. But the Palestinians are doing it to bait the Israelis, and the Israelis are are falling for it again. So uh, the the joke, though, is on on the Palestinians, the reason they're doing this, like I say, is because Hamas is so broke that they are considering turning the keys over to the Palestinian Authority and just becoming, uh, going back to their roots, as just a terrorist force. Hamas is so inept at running this, uh, one of the most densely populated uh, areas on Earth, um, that there is danger of the Palestinian population rising up and and throwing them in the ocean. So they have to do something. And the only thing they can do, the last refuge of a group like Hamas, is Israel hate. And so they have mobilized uh, a third intifada. Uh, and, and this is really a, a Hail Mary pass to get more donations from the Europeans. But you're going to be seeing on, on uh, uh, NBC News is sending their people there, ABC. I don't know why, but American media cover these like they are news. Uh, they'll never give you that other perspective. They will never tell you what the motivation of Hamas is. They will never tell you that Hamas offers absolutely nothing to the Palestinian people except permanent conflict. Uh, and they make nothing, and they rely entirely on foreign donations. That's what the Israelis are dealing with. Uh, all right, we'll uh, be back in just a second. A Chinese naval parade, and more stuff on the dark secret place coming up. The founder of Duffel Blog, uh, one of the uh, it's it's like the Onion, uh, but uh, it, it's all military stories. So we'll talk with Paul Zoldra coming up here in just a minute. Uh, he has a project on Kickstarter that uh, that you should check out. It is The Dark Secret Place. Brian suits in here until midnight. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. It is The Dark Secret Place. Coming up, uh, we'll talk with the founder of the Duffel blog, Paul Zoldra, former uh, Marine Corps infantry officer, about uh, the, the Onion-style uh, satire site that uh, is visited by a couple hundred thousand people every single day. If you've never been to Duffelblog.com, you should uh, check that out, whether, whether you have uh, served in the military before or, or uh, you have not. If you have served in the military before, a lot of the articles are very specific, and, and you'll recognize them immediately. And it, it is really sort of part of the language of, of being in the service um, versus not being in the service. But most of the articles are, are uh, uh, approachable by, uh, by most people. Uh, the Chinese navy again officially called the people's liberation army navy um ha- has done basically sort of their answer to teddy roosevelt's great white fleet teddy roosevelt of course sailed the bulk of us naval combat power around the world as an announcement that america had arrived uh in uh, what 1904 and uh, they were painted white so you know they could be seen uh dozens of miles away and it was a very very famous Uh, American naval exercise. Well, the Chinese have done something very similar in the South China Sea and sailing past Taiwan. Taiwan, uh, you know, as I played last hour, Taiwan is still a a real central sticking point with the Chinese. But the Chinese, this is captured on satellite uh, in in the past week. Uh, The Chinese deploying a bunch of their inland uh, what are called littoral combat ships, ships that are meant to fight from coastlines, not deep blue water. Type of naval combat, but they they displayed um, a, a lot of new modern designs that the Chinese have modernized in a pretty stunning uh, span of time and they did it obviously with the assistance of substantial espionage in the American electronics industry right here in Southern California uh, and uh, in on the East Coast. But the Chinese are displaying uh, more and more capabilities including uh, very, very capable submarine forces. Um, the, the people that that scares the most for some reason are the russians uh, the while While we know that the Chinese have uh, a substantial diesel electric conventional submarine force, we also apparently know that we can hear most of them, even though there there was an American Taiwanese naval officer who was a very high ranking electronic warfare uh, naval aviator who was just convicted last year as you recall of um, having contact with chinese intelligence so it 's you have to assume that the Chinese have cracked our code and and uh, and know our capabilities in in electronic warfare, uh, counter submarine warfare. But for some reason, the U.S. Navy is not too panicked, which tells me something. The Russians are panicked. The Russians feel like uh, just in in pure quantity, they're going to be outnumbered by the Chinese submarine force uh, very uh, very soon in the Pacific, which they already are. Um, the uh, the vaunted Russian typhoon. Submarines, the world's largest submarines. uh Literally, all ten of them are out of service. They're all tied up and they're rusting, and they're still nuclear, and they're just going to sink as rusted hulks. Uh, the The Russians are concentrating on attack subs, but they have come to a point now where they they realize that they can't simply try to counter the U.S. Navy; that uh, they have to take the Indian Navy very seriously and the Chinese Navy. So, very quietly, the the Chinese response, or the, the Chinese. Uh, naval exercise um, uh, earlier this week is is in response to the you know frankly the very quiet visit of the USS Carl Vinson um, the Nimitz class carrier to Danang to Vietnam the the Vietnamese have uh, dredged and improved the uh, Danang harbor pardon me Cameron Bay uh, the harbor at Cameron Bay which the United States basically built uh, in the 60s and made it a a modern harbor. The Soviet Navy had it as a forward base in the 70s. But when the the Vietnamese improved it, they dredged it specifically so that one visiting uh, key, one visiting pier could take a ship that displaces 90,000 tons or more, which just happens to be the displacement of the Nimitz-class carriers. The Chinese were, um, pardon me, the Vietnamese were making a very, very, very clear point to the Chinese that they intend for the United States to come back, and if not, just visit Camran Bay, then uh, be invited possibly to have some basing rights there. So the USS Carl Vinson arrived back on uh, March 5th at the beginning of the month for the first time since the end of the Vietnam War, an American carrier uh, visiting Vietnam. Remember the USS McCain. Uh, named after John McCain's dad, Rear Admiral McCain. Uh, that made a, a vaunted, uh, much bally visit to Haiphong in North Vietnam. And Senator John McCain accompanied it. You know, that was the first official American naval visit. But this is a big deal. The The diplomatic message that the Vietnamese are sending to the Chinese um, is, and, and I should correct myself, the Vincent is a 103-ton carrier. Um, the The diplomatic message... That the Vietnamese are sending to the Chinese is oh did you did you notice what who dropped anchor in Camran Bay? uh yeah, that's our good friends, the Americans, and there were exchanges with the Vietnamese military. they did the standard thing uh where where we do cooperative drills like man overboard drill. We do these totally harmless non military drills um so that a Vietnamese helicopter comes out and it cooperates with an American you know, uh, Zodiac doing a man overboard drill. And many, many pictures are taken and backs are slapped and the whole thing. Uh, The uh, Daniel Brink, the U.S. ambassador to Vietnam, said the visit marks an enormously significant milestone in our bilateral relations and demonstrates U.S. support for a strong, prosperous, and independent Vietnam through hard work, mutual respect, and by continuing to address the past while we work towards a better future, we have gone from former enemies to close partners, you know, and and obviously that statement was reviewed and approved by the State Department. So it is a big deal. It's a very, very significant deal when an aircraft carrier visits uh, your country, especially a prior enemy like Vietnam. So the message was, was received by Beijing uh, and answered with their own uh, n- naval demonstration. All right, when we come back, Paul Zoldra, the founder of Duffel Blog. Uh, will talk to us about the, uh, the s- satiric website, also a game that he's developing that he needs your help funding on Kickstarter. When we come back, it is The Dark Secret Place. Brian suits in here until midnight. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chape with the news. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. It is The Dark Secret Place. Brian suits in here with our uh, guest, Paul Zoldra, the founder of, of the Duffel Blog, uh, Paul. The and it's been hard connecting, but we finally connected. Uh, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for uh, bringing me on.
0: So, uh, so again, I'll, I'll hand it to you. Who 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 are you? What's what's your bio? What do people need to know about you?
1: Uh, well, I'm a first and foremost, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I served in the Marine Infantry for eight years, uh, starting in 2002. Uh, got out in 2010. Uh, went to college for business. And then during that time, I, uh, I kind of sort of stumbled upon, uh, the founding of Duffelblog, which, uh, that was in 2012. That's, uh, was basically like a military satire site. Uh, people describe it as the military version of the onion. Uh, it's still around, still doing really well. Um, and, uh, we've gone from nothing to, you know, millions of, uh, people, uh, visiting the site. Uh, each month, and uh, we've even been read by some pretty awesome and notable names. Uh, most ner- noteworthy is uh, Secretary Jim Mattis at the Pentagon.
0: And it, 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 for a lot of people, which is the majority of Americans who have never spent a day in uniform, uh, is is it your experience that the 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 satire went from you know pretty narrow to now you're getting wider and wider uh, audiences checking out Duffelblog? Blog?
1: Um, i think it's it's kind of a it's been a progression uh like a personal progression for me as i you know kind of when I first started Duffelblog, blog i wasn't I can look back on my writing at the time, and, and it definitely wasn't uh, the greatest. You know, I'm I'm actually kind of embarrassed by some of the, some of the earlier uh, stuff I've written uh just because of the style and how, you know, the, the, the actual formatting and, like, the jokes aren't that great, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I started it out from this very narrow perspective of a Marine infantry veteran you know, kind of taking on topics that are related to that and that small kind of subset. And we've been around for so long. I mean, when I first started, I figured I'm gonna run out of stuff to say within a year. Like, I'm not gonna. There's no way I'm gonna keep keep going with this thing. Like, there's only so many jokes you can pull out of the military. And and you know, thankfully, I I I was completely wrong in that prediction. And the reason for that is kind of. It's been the expansion of what we talk about and what we write about and nowadays we write a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that's just in the national security news space uh but from a satirical angle, uh, which has certainly helped and then the other thing that's really helped a lot is you know it's not just me anymore when I first started it was just me I was writing every story, I was editing it, publishing it the whole nine yards um, and uh after after about a month, uh, somebody had emailed me, uh, a guy who was just in Kuwait of all places, and said, hey, uh, can I write for you? Because this is really funny. I love this site. And I, I I had no idea. That wasn't really the goal. But I said, sure, of course. That's great. You know, more content, more writers. That's awesome. Um, and that just kept happening.
0: So let me give people two, oh, yeah. two examples. Here's an example of a story that everybody should be laughing at. It's up at DuffelBlog.com right now. Hero, U.S. Marine rescues cougar trapped in local bar. Denver, Colorado, Sergeant Michael Howell of Denver is being hailed as a hero after rescuing a cougar that had become trapped in a local watering hole. Witnesses reported the cougar had wandered into the bar earlier in the evening but could not seem to get out of the establishment on her own. One bystander said, quote, She was pacing around looking kind of confused like she didn't know how she ended up in a popular college bar surrounded by young horny guys, close quote. Fortunately for the Tawny Predator, Howell was home on leave and in the right place at the right time. Um, and and uh, you can figure out where it goes from there. Um, here's, but here's a story that, as, as, as I think, like you, as, as, a, as a combat arms prior enlisted and an officer, combat veteran, I have a venal dislike for staff weenies and talk weenies. And so luckily, what I find, what I love, what I'll always click on in Duffelblog, is any mocking of PowerPoint. Or staff officers. And so the, the story that went up last June still is one of my favorite in the past year. New staff officer Chow Hall serves nothing burgers and self-licking ice cream cones. And a new, <laughs> and a new trial program being tested at the Logistics Warriors Center of Excellence, staff off, which is a real thing for people who don't know. That's not a joke. That's a real thing. The Logistic Warrior uh, Center of Excellence. Staff officers.
1: Will well, the, the, army, the Army actually names everything the Center, center of Excellence. Of excellence. There's always a Center of Excellence for every job.
0: And that's how you know that you're at the periphery of excellence, when it's labeled the Center <laughs> of Excellence. Staff officers will finally be able to eat some of the foods they can't stop talking about. Captain Clark Eggleston said, quote, Two-hour meetings that run through the lunch hour are especially hard since everyone keeps talking about food. Now, after, now after I ride the cheese grater, I can get cheese. Uh, the grab-and-go line had an actual bag of <laughs> at Hackleston. Uh, now when the commander tells me to go eat some, I'll know where to go instead of having to send out an RFI request for information. Soup sandwiches have grown in popularity with the Operations NCO, who grew up with them through the ranks. Uh, Natick Labs stepped up for the project, testing design after design for the self-licking ice cream cone, now available in flavors like vanilla and snowflake. The self-licking lollipop isn't far behind, sources said." Close quote. So that that's an example where i i read that story out loud to my wife and she looks like me like a pig looking at a wristwatch but i send that to a buddy of mine recently you know separated buddy a retired buddy and you know we're, we're we're crying on the phone reading it to each other so the in this case you got people submitting who who obviously are not using their real names for whatever reason i totally understand why they're not this one this is a frequent contributor who calls him or herself Blondes Over Baghdad, uh, and it has, has has a particular target of PowerPoint and staff officers. So I love I love that contributor.
1: <laughs> well, I will I will pass along the good word to her. Um, <laughs> appreciate it. But
0: okay, so the the main reason I want you to now uh, 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 explain the Kickstarter program. You have a, I've, I gotta uh, I gotta confess ignorance here. I've never played Cards Against Humanity. I know it's a very popular card game uh, that a lot of people are playing, but Duffelblog is is going to launch a card game like Cards Against Humanity. So explain what what you guys are doing on Kickstarter.
1: Sure, yeah. So, um, well, first off, Cards Against Humanity, since uh, you know that's kind of not uh, not in your warehouse. So, Cards Against Humanity is basically uh, it's a super popular card game. Came out, I don't know, five maybe seven years ago, something like that. Uh How it works is there are two sets of cards. There's prompts and responses. And so uh the players grab, I think, five cards from the deck, and then you flip over one card and you all have responses. And then you're basically competing against each other to get the, you know, the, like, most terrible, worst response possible, like the one that really is just the most offensive or hilarious, et cetera, that you're hoping the player who is going to pick actually picks yours. Um, and so that's how Cards Against Humanity works. So it has you just have these kind of controversial responses, and they it, it's a pretty hilariously fun game to play. Um, the Duffelblog card game that we are hopefully launching pretty soon. Uh, we. Partnered with a company, um, uh, made up of a couple of our contributors. And, um, we launched this Kickstarter project to, uh, start a, start a card, card game similar. Um, uh, so it's similar gameplay style, but the cards, the prompts and responses are all based on stuff blog content. So jokes from articles, headlines, um, and just kind of inside military jokes are going to be part of the card game. Uh, it's super hilarious. I've already seen uh, uh, some of the cards. We, we we just got like the test deck in and I've seen pictures of it and it's really freaking hilarious. And, um, you know, I was intimately involved with just forming all the cards and all that kind of stuff. So it's a 220 card deck and should be good for anywhere from three to uh, I think or, or three to seven players, something like that. Um, but Yeah, it just, it just kind of made sense. You know, we, we were approached by this other company, War Games, and they said, hey, uh, they've already done two card games in the past, and Double Block Content, it turns out, is actually really great for doing card games. Um, we looked at, we looked at, like, the card prompts and responses and we were just plugging in jokes and headlines and stuff and it was actually pretty easy to pick i mean a lot of the stuff on on duffelblog.com is really really funny all by itself so there wasn't a whole lot of modification um so you know, basically, it's like if you're a huge fan of Duffelblog and you've read Duffelblog for a long time, you're going to get, obviously, a whole lot out of it because you've read all these things and seen these headlines and you're going to laugh your butt off. And if you're not, it's pretty accessible uh, to, you know, obviously, the military veteran community, but also just to somebody who likes to laugh, which I hope is everybody. <laughs> um, and so we, we launched this Kickstarter, uh, I think, three or four days ago and uh, hoping to get Fifteen thousand bucks to actually get you know our first batch out and get those to backers, and we're pretty close to to hitting that thankfully, so it's pretty pretty great to see the support out there but uh, all
0: right, Paul Zoldra, the founder of duffelblog.com It's a must visit website on a daily basis. You'll always laugh even if you've never served, you'll always laugh if you ha- if you haven't served you'll you'll get an insight into our mindset. Thanks for uh, joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: KFI AM 6:40 more stimulating talk to Dark Secret Place. We'll be back in just a minute. Here's Michael Chappelle with the news. KFI AM 6:40 more stimulating talk to Dark Secret Place. Brian Stewart's in here in here uh, one last time tomorrow. Of course, at eight o'clock it is super hyper local Sunday uh, from eight to ten, all the uh, news and this weekend motorcycle accidents, I guess that. Uh, is uh fit to print well so you remember the british isis guys that the american intelligence community called the beatles because of their british accents uh let me refresh your memory he's isis's best known killer presiding over the beheadings of americans james foley and other western hostages he may have killed some himself and with each video he's trash talked his enemies
1: obama You have started your
0: aerial bombardment in Sham, which keeps on striking our people. So it's only right we continue to strike the necks of your people. Tonight, a new and bizarre account of the cruelty handed out by Jihadi John, the masked ISIS militant identified by... Okay, well, two of these guys are now in NATO custody. I mean, specifically, they're in the custody of the Syrian Defense Forces, the guys that we back and train and equip. Uh, and the whole thing. And they've been allowed to talk to the Associated Press from this secret detention facility in Hasaka in, uh, in northeast Syria. And uh, in discussing the whole beheading thing, uh, this is what one of them, Alex Koti, uh, told the AP. He said, quote, uh, many ISIS militants would have disagreed with the beheadings because there's probably more benefit in them being political prisoners, close quote. So he regrets the whole mocking uh, Obama and, uh, and America and then beheading thing. Uh, he went on to say, I didn't see any benefit. It was something that was regrettable. But he's practically saying, oh, it was an accident. The guy fell on the knife. Um, another British ISIS member, El Shafi El Sheikh, told the AP that the murders were a mistake and that once the militants had threatened to kill their hostages, well, hey, they had to go through with it in order to maintain their credibility. See, they were, they were forced. Uh, Koti and El Sheikh are believed to have belonged to a cell of ISIS militants known as the Beatles. The cell gained infamy because of their brutal treatment of hostages and for carrying out the beheadings of British, Japanese, and American tourists and journalists. Uh, the two ISIS members were captured back in January in eastern Syria by the U.S.-backed SDF. Both spoke about their membership in ISIS but declined to say what their exact roles were. This is the best part. During the interview, um, Cote also put blame on Western governments for not negotiating with militants for the release of the hostages, pointing to the fact that some other hostages have been released in exchange for ransom payments. So, see, it's our fault for not paying the ransom or not even negotiating. So, really, the blood is on whose hands? Um, it's unfortunate, but now that these guys have talked to the AP, um, they, they need to have a resolution. Um, and the the resolution i'm sure that britain wanted uh and that belgium wants and france wants and italy wants is that their citizens who joined isis should never come home in one piece if they want to come home uh as a body and a head uh or or a, he- a body without a head uh in a coffin that's fine but they don't want these guys coming home alive problem is now that they've allowed ap to have access to them uh they're they're going to the best solution probably is to allow the SDF, let, let the Syrians deal with them. Uh, because after all, the crimes they committed were on Syrian soil. So whatever government um, winds up ruling the eastern part of Syria, even if it's Bashar Assad, best course of action is to take these guys and hand them over to someone who you know will probably brutalize them, even though that, strictly speaking, is a war crime. Um, but uh, anyway, it's a problem that that the EU did not want to have. um uh, apparently very, very quietly, there are some segregated Americans, but literally just a handful, which is really remarkable. In a nation of 330 million, that in the entire lifespan of ISIS, which which is morphing possibly into a, a more urbanized terror group, but the ISIS that we grew to know and love, uh, the, there were uh, probably never more than 100 Americans at one time in ISIS. Whereas uh, uh, two years ago, more British citizens joined ISIS than joined the British military. So uh, a resolution there has has to, uh, someone has to think of something. But uh, yeah, as far as the EU goes, they really could do without these guys ever setting foot back in their home countries. And and for most of them, by the way, um, they were born in Belgium. They were born in France, Germany, whatever. They didn't move there. They, they're probably, in the case of the French, their third or even fourth generation French citizens. Um, and uh, there was a, there was a very clear class difference in ISIS between the locals, mainly the Iraqi uh, longtime fighters who were ISIS versus the Europeans who came there speaking, you know, European accent Arabic and, uh, and the whole thing. Uh, a lot of them who tried deserting were killed by ISIS anyway. ISIS wound up doing our dirty work for us, but all right, that is The Dark Secret Place. Uh, As you see, I didn't do any April Fool's, nothing like that. I can't promise anything for tomorrow. But uh, tomorrow on Super Hyper Local Sunday, it'll be nothing but genuine news for April 1st, 2018. That is it for Dark Secret Place. March 31st, Brian Suits back here tomorrow night on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk.